Hello, this is Chris with Meeting of the Minds. In this episode, we're going to get into some very basic first principles thinking about value-based care, stripping away the complexities and focusing on where you might be able to get started in your organization. But first, I have to have a little bit of an interruption to share some good news. Antoine D. Williams, who was at Henry Ford Health System at the time of the interview, has moved on to take on a chief operating officer role at Orlando Health's South Seminole Hospital. So very big congratulations for him as he moves into this new role and continues his duties as a co-founder of the Advancement League, which puts on the Young Health Leaders Summit, which is honestly one of my favorite conferences of the year. Thank you again. Congratulations to Antoine, and we're going to get into the show. Think about the simplicity of a money-back guarantee. You go to a Midas or a Pep Boys or a Firestone and you get your oil change. You pay for a service. You know exactly what you're paying for. And if things don't turn out like you planned them to, what happens? Get your money back. I think value-based care is trying to get us to that point where you know what you're paying for, you know how much it costs, you know what the outcome should be, and if the outcome is not that that you expect it, then you get your money back. All right. What we're bringing on today, Antoine D. Williams, uh, VP of Operations at Henry Ford, also a co-founder of the Advancement League. We're going to go deeper into those. But the session that we're digging into is called, what's that session called? So it's called, it's about damn time, uh, inspired by Lizzo's song. So it's all about value-based care and consumer pricing transparency. That is huge. It's about damn time. I think that that's a subject that's given people a lot of confusion, stress, headache, uh, as they navigate between like the fee-for-service environment, value-based environments. And really, I want to dig into, uh, dig into that subject matter, but also dig into a little bit on the Advancement League and some of the things that you're doing for uh, young healthcare leaders, for people that are, that are thinking about these things, uh, to, to be prepared to, to make the changes needed to, to re-incentive, to, to, to align this, the incentives in healthcare in the right way. Am I, am I hitting yeah, on? Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I think when, you know, as I kick off introduction, I like to say that um, beyond most things, I'm a connector of people. And I think that's the foundation of the Advancement League. That's the foundation of my role on the value-based care panel later today at Vive. And I think it's who I am in my day job as a hospital operator and hospital strategist. And We've just been fortunate to pull together a community of amazing individuals that happen to care, care about healthcare, care about doing things the right way, and care about solutions. Um, and I think you'll see that as a common theme on, on the topics that we'll touch on today. Fantastic. Well, I, I'd like to dig into that theme as it applies to Antoine D. Williams. Yeah. Uh, specifically, when it comes to founding an organization, thinking deeply about uh alternate pay, uh, payment models and uh, how young leaders approach that. What, what's, what's captured your interest in, in, in this movement towards alternate payment models? And just talk to me about like, your, your personal motivations yeah. behind this and how you've grown into this. Yeah, so I'll start off by saying that I'm the oldest of 10 siblings. And over the years, I've learned to, to listen. 10? Yeah. Wow. And, you, and you have to listen to messages, you know, nine different ways when you have nine siblings. And, you know, and I think about the Advancement League and where we started, it started by listening. Folks were um, going to the same events, talking about the same topics at the time, you know, 10, 15 years ago, talking about value-based care and how they weren't seeing it at all. They studied it all through graduate school, all through undergrad and got into their profession and 
hadn't seen it in action. I mean, we said, wow, we need to build something new. We need to give folks another option. Um, and that's how the Advancement League started. At the time, we were and still are passionate about community impact, about social determinants of health. And I think we're starting to see the world catch up a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're forever optimistic, but we know that time is ticking. You know, the projections that we set around value-based care, around shifting from fee-for-service, around these models, um, we're off. If we were gambled with our life, I don't think we'll be having this conversation today. So I think we uh, we need to move a little bit quicker and we need to push on the, the players that be to help us uh, help us do that. Well, let's, let, let's let this conversation be a little bit of a, a help to that. Because, uh, again, I alluded, like, uh, we know that a lot of people are, are overwhelmed. They might have studied these things but not understand how to put them in practice. And one thing that I, I was really eager to dig in with you on is, is how the Advancement League focuses on getting the hands dirty. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we emphasize in capital letters, do, right? So it's one thing to talk about these high-level topics and how applications can help us, you know, make better decisions and you know, getting to the point where our uh, hospital bill is as simple as our grocery bill. And then there's another thing to understand that regardless of the solution, that there are people behind those solutions that will reap the benefits of it. So anytime we meet in a place such as the beautiful city of Nashville, we prioritize a couple things. One is to connect with the local leaders that are in the trenches, that are doing the work, that live here, that pass through the communities that need the help. And then the other thing is to tap into the community needs. We all study the data. We know the community health needs assessment, but we prioritize getting out there and talking to the people. And again, that concept of listening. So uh, just yesterday we did that. We had a a ice cream social. Uh, We supported a local ice cream truck, a mom and pop business. We bought together a, a number of healthcare leaders from the area through the Nashville Healthcare Council. We talked about the real issues that the city's facing, and that's something that we I think it's going to be a secret sauce to large-scale collaboration. And when we figure out value-based care, the secret to sustaining it. Then Let's go all the way to the basics then, because uh, one thing that happens when, when you have these terms that have a lot of academia research and things like that around them, and then they get bandied about on social media, you hear it so much that it loses meaning. Can you bring everybody back to a good basic definition uh, of how you how, how you define value-based care? Yeah, so I think, you know, emphasis on the, row, uh, the word value, right? So it's not paying for something just to pay for it. You're paying for something because it fixes something you need. When I think about that utopia, it's, it's not complex. It's not left hand, right hand, mm-hmm. you know, insurers involved and things of that nature. It's that simple. Well, it's simple. It's so simple that I want to plagiarize it because I think that when I describe it, it is very confusing. But when you think about it in terms of you get your money back if the care isn't delivered to your car appropriately, yeah. it it kind of takes away that that incentive issue that we have with fee for service. I think we should. I think the people should hear your definition though, just to balance it out, just to make this a one stop shop for all things. Value okay, let's care. let's let's take a the, uh, do the one stop shop approach. The way that I try to uh, simplify it is to describe uh, you're you're looking at the overall health of a population. And rather than uh, like the the incentive structure right now in fee-for-service, like if I go to Midas and I have a car problem and they fix it, but then it breaks down and I come back, well, they're they're getting double paid. Well, Mm -hmm. rather uh, uh, rather than that model where each time something happens, uh, that there's basically an incentive for my car to be broken 
or an incentive to, for me to be sick under the current model. We're shifting the structure, shifting uh, like uh, allowing the, the, these these organizations take, to take on that risk, so that rather than uh, me coming in o uh, over and over again being profitable, uh, it because like it, if if the hospital owns the risk and owns the the the, the health system owns the risk and, and the dollars around me, then um, it, it it just changes the incentive structure and, and changes really the whole way that they think about how my healthcare experience should be. Love that, and let's build on the the, the car example again, just to really articulate the the power structure and the. The um, you know with great power comes great responsibility as you think about the healthcare field. When you go to get your oil change, and the guy or gal comes around the corner and says, "Hey, you also need um, your brakes flushed. You also need some new windshield wipers." You feel empowered to say no or yes. But if you come in for you know a, a knee surgery and before you go into anesthesia, say, "Yeah, you probably should you know get um, an X-ray and you probably should get a CT." Your confidence level, unless you live and breathe and happen to be a physician, your confidence level to say no to any of those things, if you even get asked the question, are slim to none. And I think that's where the responsibility comes in. And that's what value-based care hopefully will solve is that, to your point, you know, we as healthcare providers are incentivized to make all that make sense in, in one swing and not charge and, you know, reap the benefits of charging for each of those individual things. So we'll, uh, we'll get there. Yeah, and that's a whole other subject, too, is the confidence that it takes to stand up for what you need and stand up for how you should be represented in care. Sadly, we, we can't touch, that, touch on that <laughs> in this episode, but hopefully, hopefully you, uh, you want to come back and talk Absolutely. to us about things like that. Uh, but let, let's talk about getting down and dirty. Okay. Um, there, I'm going to have some questions about who should own these initiatives, the types of transformations that, that people should focus on if they're trying to, if they have a little bit of value-based care uh, contracts and they want to grow, or uh, if they're, they're completely new, like how, like how to build coalitions around it. Uh, but, but starting out, like I was watching some, some interviews that, that you had about the Advancement League, uh, Advancement League mm -hmm. and some of the exercises that you have during the uh, uh, Young Leaders in Healthcare Summit uh, to, to get people's hands dirty with value-based care. Can you talk about how you, you start, by, uh, start getting people's hands dirty and, and, and getting them just in that uh, system or mindset or doing things? Yeah. So anytime, again, we meet, you know, we have our Young Health Leaders Summit coming up in North Carolina, July 31st uh, through August 2nd. We build that summit on the foundation of community impact. So, so not volunteering, but actual community impact. We believe that if we can keep it at the forefront of, of who our members are, who their purpose are, then that value. So what we do is we take sponsorship dollars, we break folks up into teams, we give each team cash from our sponsors, and we say, hey, you know, think tank style, shark tank style, you have 24 hours to do good in the local area. So you have folks that are extremely smart, extremely passionate, and um, experts at what they do in their field creatively collaborate with low resources, with not a lot of time to do good in the local area. So they go out, they find the local leaders, they partner. Some teams have combined dollars to make more of an impact. And we think that um, that does a lot for your mindset. When you go back to your community and you're thinking about strategizing and solving the world's problems, I think it, you know, you think about the kid or the family or the community organization that you helped at the Young Health Leader Summit. And we hope that that lives on at least till next year you come to the next summit or uh, you join on as a member and you keep that uh, in your heart throughout the year as you're serving in various capacities. 
So you're bringing people in and having them break out of that four walls mindset, break out of the idea that everything, all, like everything that they need to support was, is within that health system. You're, you're getting to them to think about the coalition building that, that it takes to address healthcare needs um, outside of just the, the procedures that people can have when they come in for an inpatient, outpatient visits. 100%. And now we're attracting people that are starting companies that are figuring out the future of healthcare. So what we've always said is that the future of health is together. It's going to take the traditional hospital operators, the folks that are deciding to apply their education to building solutions from the ground up, and it's going to take all of us coming together around these common goals to, to make change. So we talked, uh, we, we spoke earlier about the, like, the, you know, studying value-based care in college and, like, the, the academic uh, principles and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you're very focused on getting into practice. Uh, who should own that in, uh, in, in that, like, the health system list? The, we're, we're, we've got innovators listening to this that are within health systems and outside of health systems and things like that. But from the, the health system context, who should own the, uh, the, the transition into it. I think it's, um, you know, not to point finger, but I think it's the, the, the word together. And I'll give you an example. You know, last year we had our summit. We had a big conversation around cancer and the cancer moonshot. And I'll tell you, as we had that conversation, a lot of folks pointed out Big Pharma and said, hey, they need to figure it out. They're incentivized in different ways, et cetera. And we looked around the room and we didn't have big pharma in the room. Mm -hmm. um, so this year we have tracks such as Pharma as Friends, where we're pulling in our pharmaceutical leaders and partners, payers as partners, where we're pulling in insurance companies, et cetera. You know, policy passing conversations where we're pulling in lobbyists, politicians, et cetera, you know, health tech, and then all of the tra traditional players to build this safe space for us to have conversations. And to your point, roll our sleeves up to build solutions together. So I think it's going to take all of us coming together again around those common goals. And I hope we can uh, do that at small scale mm -hmm. in July um, and take it on beyond that as we exit. And uh, curious about like doing that at small scale. Um, let's say you're an operator or a leader uh, with, within a healthcare system and uh, there, there could be a, a small amount of value-based care contracts or it, it could be something that's just not even on the radar. Um, do you have thoughts around how people get these initiatives started or grow them within their organizations? I think it's asking the questions to your point. You have organizations where they have a team of two and you have some with a team of 20. I think it's sitting down in a constructive way and thinking about how you're incentivized and what you're working on and how do you align the dots. You know, as I think about something as simple as a service line strategy where we're trying to grow market share for orthopedics and heart and vascular and, um, you know, urology and women's services, one metric on my scorecard may be value-based directed. And that's not a hard conversation to have with a team of two that's doing the work every day or the team of 20. Um, that looks a lot different for someone um, who's working in the pharmacy. But again, it's trying to find those connection points and trying to, to measure it. And sometimes that's one KPI and sometimes that's a whole initiative. So um, every bit counts. Every bit counts. I hope that people listening get a, get a little bit of inspiration from that, that they're not having to wait for an entire board of directors or a multi-billion dollar company to change its strategy to be able to uh, start delivering value and, and growth at the same time. Oh, you're, you're spot on. I, uh, I use the analogy, you know, Deion Sanders, you know, left the uh, Jackson Stadium, went to 
you know, um, Colorado uh, University. And, you know, folks are giving him a hard time. And, 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 you know, that's neither here nor there. But one gentleman said, hey, you know, as you all are you're throwing rocks, you know, even if it's $2, have you gave $2 to HBCU? And I think that's similar to the problems that we have in our industry. It's, it's not always the large rocks. It's what is the one thing you can point to that you're doing to move the metric? And those uh, incremental changes add up. And when, when we talk about the incremental change, um, I think that uh, a lot of the times, like that for, for organizations to put their backing behind things, you have to earn it. Like if you start small then and you're trying to coordinate it with, uh, with your peers, uh, you earn it through the types of reporting and KPIs and things like that that you measure and report on. Could you talk a little bit about uh, what's reported and how to socialize it among other leaders to, to help uh, sustain these initiatives? Yeah, no, I, I think you spoke on it earlier that the the incentives are, are changing and the organizations that will bear the most fruit and, and do the most are going to be the ones that have been tracking it for a while. Um, reimbursement models are changing, et cetera. So I, I think it's going to look a lot different for everyone, um, but there is for sure at least two or 20 people in your organization that can help you figure it out. And I think it starts with that question uh, within each organization. So I won't begin to try to answer that, but I think it's, uh, it's self-reflection and everyone listening just sending an email and asking the question. Any particular initiative that, that you've seen in value-based care that, that you think is an example people should read up on, study, uh, any examples of, of people who have done things that, that you'd like to share? Yeah, I um, have to shout out, and they're, they're a small player, I have to shout out Orlando Health. Um, there's a guy that I, he's a, a young guy, um, last name Burkett. He's doing great work with Orlando Health. They're incrementally making the shift and increasing the amount of patients covered through value-based care contracts. You know, as we, you know, 2020, um, 2020 2005 and 2010, we were hoping to, you know, hit this threshold of 20% of our patients are value-based care, and I think they're doing way more than that. So I think they're a good model to look at. I think Geisinger has some good um, money back guarantees as you think about uh, specific procedures in orthopedics. Um, and I think some of the panelists that we'll talk through today, such as City Block, um, Walmart Health, uh, Hospital for Special Surgery out in New York, and um, DeVita are doing some fantastic things in the space. So I think those are the companies that you should look at. Um, and then I have to shout out uh, Henry Ford. They're restructuring and collaborating in, in different ways. Um, so Googling those organizations, uh, connecting with the leaders, I think, will bear a lot of fruit for everyone listening. Fantastic. And uh, this is the question that we ask everyone, is if, if you could change one thing about uh, how healthcare is delivered in this country, what would that be? Price transparency, you know, as a consumer and as someone that has been spent a lot of time in the hospital on the patient side and the supporting patient side in the last uh, 24 weeks, I would say that just extreme price transparency. You know, what am I paying for? What did it cost? What, you know, just making it as simple as my Whole Foods receipt. I'm not happy with the receipt, but at least I know and I can plan better. So uh, honestly, to be fully transparent with you, uh, we've asked that question to our to each guest, and over fifty percent of them have been around changing the incentive structure okay. around how healthcare is delivered. So we decided that this episode would be addressing that question. Love so that. that now now we go deeper into it. We're, we've gotten the opportunity to go deeper into who's doing what, where, why, how, 
Now, as a connector of people, how's the best way for people to connect with you? Uh, you can find uh, the Advancement League on Instagram at Advancement League. You can always reach out to myself, Antoine, or uh, my co-founder, Alex, um, at hello at advancementleague.org. And, you know, we're on all the social platforms and we love to connect and we love to have good people involved. Antoine, big thank you. Um, again, I love getting practical. I, I, I love uh, hearing from people that are, that are getting their hands dirty. I hope that uh, people uh, watching have, have, they might have seen a lot about value-based care, but now, now you've uh, provided some examples and organizations, things to Google, things to research about specific things that they can change incrementally. Absolutely. Well, fantastic. And for, for the folks that uh, want to dig in a little bit more on uh, value-based care initiative and what the impact is to the patient. Uh, we've actually had some really good conversations on here. One that I want to point everyone to is uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Thomas Cornwell. Uh, we sat down with him and got deep into, as a doctor, he, he uh, talked specifically around the patient experiences and, and different things that have been enabled from value-based care programs. Again, thank you, Antoine. That's awesome. Thank you, man. If you enjoyed that conversation, you can find all our episodes and transcripts at wobothealth.com slash meeting of the minds. There you can subscribe, which will keep you in the loop on new episodes in our LinkedIn live sessions with healthcare leaders like the one you heard today.